The season ends with some Reds pitching news and a conundrum over who to draft first in 2021. Like death and taxes, Dodger's been a Dodger. <laughs> I have That's not had uh, three cold uh, brews yet. It works great in a fantasy league. I'm just glad I am not at the dentist. Fantasy Baseball in 15 on The Athletic. Welcome to Fantasy Baseball in 15 for Monday, September 28th. I'm Al Melkier. I'm here with Derek Van Riper and DVR. Uh, we had promised uh, everybody out there that we'd be back after the season ended. I frankly didn't think it would be this fast, but I'm thrilled to be here. And uh, we'll be uh, coming at you every uh, m- Monday through Friday for, for at least a little while here. Yeah, a few more weeks of Fantasy Baseball in 15, starting to look ahead to the 2021 season already. But congrats to all the league winners out there, as uh, we fortunately don't have to have the Cardinals-Tigers uh, doubleheader makeup on Monday. That was the the nightmare scenario, right? Having to wait one extra day for titles to be decided. Having a team in each league, even mono leagues, would have still been up for grabs with that being a regular season interleague sort of matchup. So, yeah, I'm, I'm glad we made it here. Yeah, no, absolutely. And uh, yeah, I mean, I suppose nightmare nightmare scenario or uh, a dream scenario, depending on whether you were ahead or behind in your race. <laughs> uh, so hopefully you didn't need that extra uh, double header. Uh, so yes, uh, we'll join DVR and congratulating everybody that won a league this year and congratulate everybody who just had fun playing fantasy. And um, congrats to you, DVR, and to your brewers for uh, making it into the postseason. <laughs> they really don't look like a team that belongs in the postseason, but they played just well enough to get there, and that's all that matters, right? All you have to do is get there. It's a brand new slate. Um, so I'm looking forward to seeing how it plays out, but I think they're really going to miss Corbin Burns. Uh, absolutely, yeah. Um, I mean, I think it can happen in a three-game series, but that's definitely going to hurt. Um, and meanwhile, I'll be uh, watching the Marlins for the first time since 2003 in the postseason and against the Cubs echoes of 2003 yeah well congrats to you for being able to root for your team in the postseason for the first time in a long time (laughs) yeah I guess they're my team I've tried to swear them off at various times but never really succeeded in doing that so uh lots of playoff stuff uh coming up um you know starting Tuesday so just a, a day to kind of take a deep breath, take in uh, the, the fantasy season and look forward to the postseason, which is, uh, uh, at least for me, I think for a lot of us, uh, the most fun part of the season. Um, so we do have a few news items uh, to get to, even though there's no fantasy to play, unless any of you out there are playing some sort of postseason format. But um, this was an interesting tidbit from John Fay of the Cincinnati Inquirer. Um, the Reds pitching coach, Derek Johnson, uh, had said that Trevor Bauer, if he re-signs with the Reds, that they could start him every fourth day. This is sort of deja vu DVR because I remember having this conversation earlier in 2020. I think there had been some discussion of it. As it turned out, Bauer only made one start for the Reds uh, on three days of rest. He's made actually, I think, five starts total on short rest, but three specifically with three days rest and with some pretty good results. Um 22 strikeouts and three walks in 17 innings, a 3.71 ERA. Very limited sample, of course. Um, but I guess this is maybe a, like a sweetener to try to get Bauer to to resign with them. But is this a, a difference maker uh, if this holds? Come you know, come uh, next uh, next spring. 
I mean, I think it is because the strikeout potential, the win potential is through the roof. If you have a guy starting on three days rest all season long, it's a what, 25% boost in playing time potentially. And I think the question is how effective is Trevor Bauer going to be in that right. situation? Does he lose anything? Does the stuff stay crisp? Does the velocity hold where it's been? Does the command hold steady or does that possibly get worse? I mean, those are all fair questions to ask. It's something that Bauer's wanted to do for a long time. And he's talked for years about going year to year throughout his career, not signing a multi-year deal. So that probably means he's looking for a, a one-year, $30, $35 million contract. And I just keep wondering, with Major League teams almost all certainly tightening up spending for 2021, are the Reds or will any other team even be willing to give out a contract like that to Bauer, given the massive outlay? Or would they have to defer a large portion of the money to even consider doing something like that? Yeah, well, we've got a long offseason ahead of us and uh, a lot of unknowns to, you know, to ponder. And that's just one more of them. And, you know, a, a good point that you raised that, sure, we're going to have, you know, more quantity from Bauer if he does wind up pitching every fourth day. But, uh, you know, we don't really have a sample to look at. He made one start this year under those conditions, three in his career. They weren't, you know, back to back to back. Uh, these are isolated incidents. So it's really just kind of a, uh, you know, a black box in terms of, you know, trying to imagine what Bauer would do under those circumstances. You know, that said, he ranked third on the ESPN player, player Raider in terms of roto value among starting pitchers, just trailing uh, Shane Bieber and you, you Darvish. So he's, Certainly got a lot of appeal, maybe even ace appeal in fantasy, even with that element of risk uh, you know, built in for next year. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's going to go in the first two rounds of drafts, even if he's not lined up to start every fourth day, just based on the season he's having in 2020. Might win a Cy Young. You never know. Yeah, he's in, in that conversation to be sure. And in another piece of pitching news from the Reds, uh, and this one's not too surprising, really, given how uh, things de- given how things developed late in the season. Michael Lorenzen will be in the running for a rotation spot in 2021. Although I have to admit, I'm kind of taking this one with a, a grain of salt because it seems like we get a lot of news items like this early in the the off season. Um, you know, so and so could be primed to be a starter. Um, and it doesn't necessarily pan out. Uh, so it's just, you know, sort of an idea at this point. But he certainly did uh, do his part in putting himself in the running. He got a couple of starts late in the season. His last three starts were all lengthier. Um, he had two starts and then a, a long relief appearance. Those added up to 13 innings. He got 18 strikeouts, three walks in those 13 innings with a 2.77 ERA. So how interested would you be in Lorenzen in, uh, let's say, 15-teamers? I think he'd be a viable bench SP if he made that switch successfully because I think the Reds are one of the more progressive organizations with how they develop pitching. You know, They've got the relationship with Kyle Bodie and Driveline. Obviously, Derek Johnson, the pitching coach, has had a lot of success in Cincinnati and previously in Milwaukee. So if they think he's good enough to do the job every fifth day, then I could get behind that. I think I would want to take more of a cautious use him as a spot starter sort of approach initially if it plays out that way. And I was trying to think, who's the last reliever who's kind of made this conversion in his late 20s the way Lorenzen potentially might? I mean, I'm thinking C.J. Wilson is a name that comes <laughs> to mind. Of, yeah, yeah, I mean, doing it from the left side. But I was skeptical at the time that C.J. Wilson was going to be successful 
as a starter, and he was actually really good. His first season making that switch, he pitched a 335 ERA over 204 innings. That was with an innings increase of about 130. The K rate came down a bit. Still walked guys similar to the way he did in the bullpen, but he held his own. So I think I've just at least opened my mind to the possibility of this working better than you might think. And Michael Lorenzen is kind of a freak like in terms of his athletic ability. We know that from his ability as a hitter and that he can play in the outfield and actually look like an outfielder and not look like a pitcher playing in the outfield. So I guess he's just one of those guys that I, I don't ever want to completely write off. Yeah, actually looks like a really good outfielder, and I hope this doesn't get in the way of him getting some reps out there because it's always fun to watch him play, um, play in the field and play uh, and, and uh, show up at the plate. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Uh, some not so good news. Dakota Hudson uh, scheduled to have Tommy John surgery, so he'll obviously be out for 2021. Took some steps forward this year. I mean, not he didn't become like an entirely different pitcher. Um, it's not like a, a you know some of these cases where somebody downplays the sinker and they become a big strikeout pitcher. I mean, he was essentially the same sort of pitcher in 2020 as he was in 2019, but brought the walk rate down. Continued to have really good success uh, on balls and play, so uh, he will not uh, be a part of the Cardinals rotation in uh, 2021. So uh, DVR, looking ahead to 2021, and as you said at the outset of the show, um, it's, this is you know, what we're going to be doing for the next several months for the most part. And I, in a way, I want to pick up on a conversation we had on Friday's show because I posed the question of what can we learn from 2020? And that's just kind of a almost a boilerplate kind of end of season question that we deal with every year and, and a useful exercise. But I feel like maybe I framed the question wrong, so I'm going to give myself a mulligan and, and ask it again a little bit differently. Because the way I framed it initially was, okay, this was a weird season, so how are we going to kind of get back to a normal season and what lessons, if any, can we take? But we really can't assume 2021 is going to be a normal season again. I mean, I, I didn't expect us to, to finish a season this year. Um, I didn't expect us to be where we are here at the end of September. But that doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, things are going to be normal in 2021. So if we look at it from that angle, are there different lessons you're taking away from 2020 in terms of maybe things you'll need to do again next year? You know, I, I think the the things that could be normal in 2021 are schedule related. I think maybe we could get back to a normal schedule where uh, teams aren't just playing other teams like in the West, the Central and the East you know, within their own division, and then, of course, across leagues, uh, the AL Central, NL Central. I think that dynamic could go away. But I do think it's going to be weird in that we're still probably not going to have stadiums back to anything close to full capacity. Some places may still have empty stadiums for some or possibly all of 2021. So I, I think it's hard to know how certain quirks impact individual players. And... I brought this up, I think, on Friday or maybe even on a different episode last week. But we don't know how players are mentally and physically coping with the pandemic. We just don't know. And we don't know if they're struggling with 
not having access to in-game video the same way in 2020 that they had in years past, right? There's, there's all these things that changed this year, aside from the length of the season, that made the 60 games we did get a lot more complex to analyze. So the takeaways from 2020 for me are still going to be pretty limited. I'm going to be looking at the underlying numbers, exit velocity numbers, you know, pitch mix changes, things that are very granular, but also, I think, more in the control of the individual player that we're looking at and more indicative in the case of like an average exit velocity of just raw skill. And even then, if you see a big drop, it's not necessarily the byproduct of a player getting actually worse or losing skills. It could have been an injury that we didn't know about because reporters are not around the team the way they normally are, right? So we're left with very imperfect information. We're left with what managers and players offer up in Zoom calls. We're not able to pick up on the various reports and observations made by people in the clubhouse who see player X walking around with ice bags on his legs or on his shoulder, right? I mean, you, you just you don't know what these guys are going through on so many different levels. So I do think there's a chance that the access will remain limited for reporters next season. So we may have another year where we just get very limited injury information, and that makes playing this game a lot harder. It does, yeah. So I guess there's really no answers. It's just a question of identifying you know, the types of uncertainty that we're likely to deal with. So... Uh, speaking of that, of uncertainty, uh, I think that this is going to be a season in 2021 where there's not going to be a consensus number one pick. Uh, I had a discussion with Michael Beller, I think probably about a week ago on this show, where he had said that Trout is still his number one. I agreed with him at the time, but having a little bit of time to think about it, I'm I'm not sure. And I'm actually at this, if I had to pick somebody right now, I think it would actually be Juan Soto. But the gains that he made in 2020 are obviously over a, a fraction of a season. So, you know, you could discount those and, and not necessarily take him with the first overall pick. So without necessarily getting into a, a case for or against any one player, do you think that there's a cut and dried case for uh, Trout or Soto or Acuna or, or anybody else? Or do you think this is something we're going to have to, uh, you know, mull over for a few months? I think. This is as wide open as the first overall pick has been probably since I started playing fantasy baseball, at least as an adult. <laughs> so, you know, I'm 36 years old now. I didn't really become an adult until I was about 27. So I guess in the last 10 years, we haven't really had a, a first overall pick that was as contested as this one. Normally, there's about three guys in the running. I think it's closer to five. I think Acuna is there. I think Tatis is there. I think Betts can be there. I think Mike Trout can still be there because the floor is incredibly high. And I agree with you on Juan Soto. Todd Zola and I are doing a draft right now. It's a slow draft, 15-teamer with a lot of really good NFBC players. We had the eighth pick. Juan Soto was there, and we were thrilled. Being in the middle of the first round going into 2021 looks like an absolute crush spot where you really can't get a bad player. We were choosing between Soto and Trey Turner, and Trevor Story, and Jacob deGrom, and even Christian Yelich was still on the board, right? And he was a candidate wow. to go 1-1. He was first on my board going into 2020. So I think this is going to be one of the most fun years of fantasy baseball ever in 2021, coming off of the very funky 2020 season. Yeah, well, again, we'll have a lot of time to sort this out. But yeah, right now, I'd have a hard time really committing. Uh, and yeah, Tatis, I probably was remiss not to include him in that group, but absolutely does belong there. So uh, 
Well, this is the first of uh, many uh, episodes in the post and off season. So we're looking forward to uh, looking ahead. So um, that's going to wrap it up for this episode of Fantasy Baseball in 15. If you're enjoying this podcast on a platform that lets you leave a rating and a review, we would greatly appreciate it if you do take the time to do that. For Derek Van Riper, I'm Al Melkier, and we will be right back here on Tuesday. <laughs>